Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Games Podcast. This is your host, Sammy L. King, and today my guests are Ken and Mary. It's actually our first time having a couple on the show, and they have a business called The Humble Penny. And if you haven't followed them yet, you really should do. Their YouTube channel is amazing, packed full of fantastic financial content. And they also have lots of things like courses, and we chat really about financial well-being, their investments and their journey. We also chat about managing your finances as a couple as well and some important things that you should do and look out for when managing your finances together. Um, But if you're listening on YouTube, please do whack that subscribe button. And if you are on Apple or Spotify, please do leave us a review. It really does help the show. But for now, let's get started on the Money Games Podcast. The Money Games Podcast. So, Ken, Mary, welcome to the Money Gains podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah good. we're very good. Thank you for having us. I'm absolutely so excited. I've been really looking forward to this one. I've been following you guys for a good few years, and the journey of the Humble Penny is amazing. And I can't wait to get stuck into it. But if you wouldn't mind giving the lit- listeners a little bit of a 411 about you both. Yeah, so we are a husband and wife team. I'm Ken and yeah. <laughs> and we've been running the Humble Penny since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've been married as a couple for 12 years and we've got two children. Um, but the Humble Penny was just a passion project. We both had our corporate jobs that we did. I worked in finance as a chief financial officer. Uh, and you want to share a bit more about your background? Yeah, so I worked as an e-business analyst for five years before leaving to help run a family nursery business, which I did for seven years whilst raising our two young boys. Yeah. Um, then I then left that nursery business to work on the Humble Penny full-time in 2019. And then Ken followed suit in 2020 20, yeah. during, COVID. The during COVID. Yeah. And we've been doing it full-time since. Yeah, exactly. And it's been interesting running a business as a couple because yeah. we, we'd always wanted to do that, but we didn't really know what might be the opportunity to actually do it. You know, uh, so the humble penny just happened to be one that we both are strongly passionate about the subject of money and personal finances and trying to what Mary and I describe as creating a life of financial joy. How do we help, you know, the people who follow what we do? How do we help them design that life of financial joy? Yeah, that's become, you know, our kind of a core mission uh, on this journey. One thing that I noticed with your content is that you do bring that joy and that fun and there's always smiles with everything that you do. You know, finance and money can be, you know, smiles upside down a lot of the time or quite serious in a lot of nature. And you don't, you guys aren't like that. And I love it. Thank you. Thanks so much. I think it definitely helps to bring that, I guess, humour and reality, um, relatable stories, I guess, yes. situations that can, like you said, topics that can be really, really serious. Mm. So, yeah, we try to have that balance of, like, informative, educational, content, but also inter- entertainment, yeah. I think people need that as well because yeah. I just feel like life is so... If you turn the news on, everything's so negative all the time. Mm. You don't really hear positive news. And I just feel people can easily get dragged down by negativity. 
And for us, we always believe a good starting point is by default, just assume things will get better. Mm. You know, and if you start from that place, you're, you've almost won half the battle because then, you know, everything else is about strategies, about tactics, is about just diligence with your finances. But I think the mindset Mm. of, and that mindset actually comes from a place of abundance because a lot of us operate from a place of fear mm-hmm. and scarcity. But if you are, if you almost reframe that and gradually program yourself to operate from a place of abundance, mm-hmm. not always driven by scarcity, you're much more likely to think positively and to think with a lot more gratitude, which I think is actually very important on the, on the money journey. I think it's something that gets left behind with a lot of the conversations around money is your mindset and, you know, if you, and self-awareness as well about how you feel and how your triggers operate, your spending, your overspending, you know, all these different, or how you even feel about yourself when you come to make money decisions. And often getting that right first is often the best approach before even taking any steps with your financial situation. What do you think about that? Hmm. Yeah, we we couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, Ken's already, you know, touched on that, but the mindset is so important first, because if you get the mindset right, everything else should hopefully follow through. Because a lot of people, they make the same financial mistakes over and over again. But that, you know, and no matter how much they read or how much, you know, how to's, they kind of educate themselves on that change won't really happen until they realize that what is the cause of their behavior? Like what is the root cause? Can they actually change that behavior? You won't, it's like you said also, you need to be self-aware, you know, have you picked up some bad money habits from your parents um, or from what you've seen growing up? And it's just all for your environment. Exactly. And it's so subconscious doing these things that you don't, it's not even like you realize that you're doing it. So it's so important to be self-aware, but also work on, you know, that mindset. I actually think that you can't really know where you're going until you know who you are. You know, I think self-awareness is such a, a critical element of our emotional intelligence. You know, it's it's not until you, you deeply understand what you're, core motivations are like what is it i want out of life what kind of life do i want and where is that even coming from is that something i saw on instagram or like is that something i heard from my friend you know is it really what you want out of your life and a a lot of that comes from like deep introspection asking yourself some very simple but actually pretty powerful questions like what does work mean to me what does money mean to me what's my relationship with money you know, what are, what habits are letting me down? So it's not until people actually understand those elements and have almost self, um, almost self questioned themselves mm-hmm. that they then start to think, well, actually, I'm starting to form my own opinions about life. I actually know what I want, you know, and I know what I don't want, you know, mm-hmm. and out of that, that you then start to think, well, actually, what does that now look, look like in numbers? What does that look like for my finances? What does that look like for my goals? So, yeah. How did you get to this point? Because obviously, you know, CFO and, and business analyst, <laughs> it, you know, something tells me you were always good with numbers. Is that right? Is that the case growing up? Um. Okay, you were always very good with numbers, weren't you? Oh, well, I was always good with, I was always good with, <laughs> I was always good with like, you know, like maths. And I've never thought I was a creative person. 
So I've always been good with like just the mechanics of stuff, but I've never known quite how to apply it to things that aren't really that linear. You know, like as money is very emotional, you know, and it goes just beyond just the mechanics of numbers. But but being good at numbers, though, doesn't mean you're good at managing your finances. 100%. That's <laughs> so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I had to learn the hard way because I've made so many money mistakes, so many that mm. I can think about, um, even though I was good with numbers. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I would say that I was just good with, I guess, budgeting from an early age, just learning from, like, my parents, having mm. to... Um, yeah, just fun, fend for the family on a tight budget. Mm. And I guess I've always made, I've always found different ways of making money and just saving, saving, saving. Um, but then it was on that journey to try and do something different to what I'd seen growing up. Mm. Um, just for context, I'm the last born of three older brothers. And so they have made some good money moves and also made some money mistakes which I've learned from the benefit of hindsight (laughs) and so yeah I just was definitely a lot more aware of doing things differently from a young age and I guess whilst on that journey to educate myself on um, just basic you know finance and money you know literacy I guess that's how I met Ken but that's 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 a whole different story (laughs) (laughs) it was kind of like a gradual journey it it wasn't something that came natural to me um or to you I guess do you feel like you have kind of different when you look at your kind of financial strengths as such do you feel like you have different ones that complement each other as a couple Quick one, guys. I just wanted to share something with you that I think you'll like. You see, in life, if you're unhappy with what's in front of you, then you've got to change it. That was me three years ago, sitting in a job in London that I knew deep down wasn't for me. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you could build a business of your dreams and it didn't feel like a chore doing it? That's exactly why I decided to create the digital influence method that helps exactly with that. This is a step-by-step blueprint for anyone who finds themselves stuck in a nine-to-five and wants to know how can I make money online? How can I turn myself and the skills that I already have into a money-making machine? Could I actually make a full-time living making content online about things that I actually like? And could I have the ultimate time freedom working from a laptop and still have enough left over at the end of the month when it comes down to it? This is the playbook that helped me create a mid-six-figure business off the back of creating simple but effective content online if you want to see if it's for you then i've left a link to a free workshop in the episode description and if you want to find out more from there you can book a call in with my team now let's get back to the episode um yeah i'd say so i'd say so yeah absolutely i think i'm much more like i'm much more goal driven like if i know what i want yeah I'm much more like I can see it, I can visualize it, I can, I feel like I can touch it. Mm. Okay, this is what we need to do. Let's go. Yeah. And and I'm much more likely to stick with it. Like my, I was chatting to my brother yesterday. He was reminding me of like when I was a teenager and I had this vision of buying a Fiat Punto. Yeah. <laughs> I'd print Love pictures it. of it and I'd put it up on the wall. I'd go to like Sainsbury's, I'd buy magazines. I'd read up about it. I'd rip stuff out. I'd put it up. You know, I had this thing where I really wanted it. He said, okay, remember Fiat Punto? You really wanted it. This is what you did. He's like, remember you wanted that Golf GTI? Exactly the same thing. You did exactly the same things, you know. So he kept saying to me, see, your superpower is you're able to, like, have a vision for something 
and you're able to just focus on it and actually do it. You know, you don't like veer off it, but you actually carry on doing it. Yeah, def- that's definitely true. Ken can be very tunnel vision, and uh, <laughs> especially if, you know has stuff done. And you know, we're both visionaries, but I think what I like about Ken is that um, he doesn't complicate things. Like, if this is what we need to do, let's just get it done. You know, I could be a bit of a perfectionist, and yeah. Ken, no, babe, just let's get it done. Let's get it out. <laughs> done is better than what is perfect. What's yeah, progress over perfection. Progress over perfection. Yeah. So. Yeah, 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 I definitely like, and and also you think out of the box a lot, just based on like your background. You know, growing up, things have not been easy. Yeah. Um, as an immigrant, you've always had to think out of the box. Yes. So when it comes to us, um, carrying out, you know, whatever vision we have, yeah, you definitely have different creative ways of being able to execute that plan. Yeah. So you are creative. I, but I, I love think. That, it's interesting because I was listening to some research around creativity and they were saying how, like, as young children, you you basically start off very creative. And then as you get older, that creativity disappears. And the reason they said it disappears is because as, as young children, you play with other young children. So you're always swapping ideas. You're always sharing from yeah. a good place. Mm. But as you get older, it just becomes about your job and you're paying your bills, so you become a lot less creative. And your interactions is over the phone, WhatsApp, yeah. it's yeah. not really face-to-face, in person. In person. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it's crazy how life's changed, even in the past, like, five, ten years, how people, you know, smartphone industry has completely changed the way that we think, for mm. the better and for the worse, I think, in a lot of ways. Mm. I was going to ask you... Um, you know, it's the first time you've had a couple on at the same time. And I think it's a really nice question to ask. So um, how do you guys in the household, how do you guys work on your finances together? Um, what, what sort of steps do you take to, to be open and honest with each other about, about you know, finances together? Sure. So we, um, we have a money day, which we do often together. And you know, a lot of people ask us this question and because it's usually the case that you have one partner who is either really good with money and saving and and investing and then the other partner is a spender. Mm. Uh, so, you know, one thing that we always tell, you know, people is to come together and come have like a regular money Money day. Money day. Yeah. Yeah. And it shouldn't come from a place of judgment. Yeah. It should be or shaming. Or shaming yeah. or pointing fingers like you did this. Like how much did you did you buy that? Like, why? It's it's more from just a place of sitting together and deciding what are our goals, what are our common goals. And so one thing that we've always done is that we've always had something that we're both working towards together. Mm. Um, we also have our individual goals, but we always have something that we're working towards. And, you know, it could be either, you know, what's our goals for our monthly investments? You know, what do we want our investment pot to look like? What do we look, want our um, pension pot to look like and mm. our savings and our, you know, emergency funds? Um what holidays do we want to go on in the future? Uh, what's what's on our um, vision boards? Like, for example, on our vision board for 2020 was that we wanted to do up the garden. garden. Yeah. That's really expensive. We've only just finished. We've only just finished. In fact, we've got builders now actually wrapping up in the garden. Yeah. yeah. We have actually, I saw the pictures. It looks yeah, yeah, cool. It's coming true now. 
yeah. three years later. Yeah. So this is all fun things, right? Yeah. And so then you work backwards. Okay, so how much do we have? Um, how much can we allocate towards these different things? Mm-hmm. We, if we don't have that money, how can we get that money? Where can we cut back? And so this is where we also talk about our budgeting, mm-hmm. how much we allocate to different things um, like education, fun, giving, you know, saving. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a fun sit down. You know, we have drinks, we have nibbles. And we talk about um, our investment so far, what we like, worth. our net worth. Mm-hmm. Exactly, we always track our net worth and see how is it, how it's improved um, from the previous months. Yeah, and just one thing I want to add is there's the fundamental elements of our finances that my, my other people might not might view slightly different or even unique or unusual. You know, depending on how you look at things. Mary and I combine everything to do our finances. So there's there's no concept of my money or Mary's money. It's just our family money. It's literally like, you know, everything that comes in is just household finances. And what that does is it, it means that we have a household vision for what we want for our family. Then we have our household investments and you know, pot, and then out of that pot, things then go to different places, whether it's our pensions, ISAs, you know, to, you know, pay for, you know, things for our children or whatever, or food shopping and, and so on. So I, I think that's actually quite, quite, um, some people might find that a bit weird because not everybody really combines their money like that, but we don't really like, it's always been how we've seen things from when we met. And we still have individual, um, bank accounts, obviously. But we we operate from a place of unity, which we just find a lot a lot more transparent. Hey guys, Sammy here. Just a quick one. If you wouldn't mind heading over to upthegains.co.uk, hitting the subscribe button in the top right hand corner and entering your email into the box for your troubles, you will receive a free net worth calculator worth £25. Now, this net worth calculator, if you enter your assets and your liabilities, will tell you exactly how much you are worth today. Now, what you can also do is set yourself some financial goals and track your net worth along the way using this tool it's totally free so head on over to upthegains.co.uk hit the subscribe button pop your email in and you'll be sent straight to your inbox in a matter of minutes now back to the podcast i love that and it's very similar to me and my partner i think it grew with us over time you know now we put a lot more of our money into the joint account before it would just be covering bills and very like serious expenses now we have you know, emergency fund, joint pots, sinking fund, joint pots together. Um, we have a new house fund because we know when we want to go in oh, to okay. do something, we're like, right, yeah, we want to have some money to buy a new bed, new sofa, et cetera. Sure, so sure. we're doing a lot more now. And I I think that it comes with growth and it comes with trust. And I think something certainly unique with you guys is obviously you run the business together. And there's, so the money coming in is is, you know, both of yours, you know, yes. and so I think that makes it um, probably a little bit easier for people to, for you to approach that. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things. And since we've done this and since we've been much more open, you know, we talk about where we're at with our money and our goals, etc. Life changed for the better. You know, I felt a lot more comfortable um, with where we were going and it deleted all of those kind of worries and, and issues that we, that can stem from, from lack of conversation with your partner. And I really do believe it's so important. 
Yeah. Can I just say one more thing about this? So we've been doing this since we began, uh, since we got married in 2011. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been doing this. Now, part of the reason why is, um, is you know, particularly for people who might want to have children and that kind of stuff, is there is this, you know, almost unfair bit that exists where a woman takes time off to have children and obviously doesn't bring in as much income as she might ordinarily do and you know a guy in the relationship and this is not with every relationship obviously but in its traditional sense a guy might be the one making most of the income and there might be that that kind of almost unequal contribution that might might appear in a in a family's household so for that reason mary and i thought you know what we're all playing different roles in our family finances. Mary was doing yeah. a lot of the looking after, a lot of the, you know, looking after, raising our children, whilst I might have been going into town, going to work. And she was working as well. But our incomes were vastly different, you know, in terms of amounts. So we felt a really good way of removing that, you know, thing where you might feel, oh, I'm earning this much and you're earning that much, was just to say, look, do you know what? It just goes into one pot and that's it. That's our, that's our money. And then yeah. out of that money, we would then like pay for stuff, you know, and we would equally pay into our pensions, would equally pay into our ICES, would equally pay into anything we're doing. And that for us just removed pressure, you know, removed this thing that I think exists for some couples where, you know, there's this in, almost inequality in, I don't know how to describe it, like their finances or something. Yeah. And because we did everything so jointly, it meant that we could live on one income. Yes. It was something that we decided to do. So with one income we lived on, the other income we used for investments, um, to pay down a mortgage, also to say, yeah. So invest in the stock market. Invest in the stock market, which meant that we were even more kind of strict about what we did with the money, how we budgeted. Mm. I absolutely love it. One of the things you said there, which I think is really, really important to touch on is the pressure that comes with it as well. Like the pressure is often the, the bit that, that tears everybody apart mm-hmm. and, and being open and honest is, is just paramount. I believe in, in any relationship financially, you need to have that aspect of it and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to overweigh on to you. And if you do have that divide, you know, do things like, you know, Ken and Mary do with the money day. I love that. You know, we, we do, we do, a, we do a Sunday lunch and, a, you know, we cook Sunday lunch and we sit down and we look about what we're doing and we look at our, where our funds are at and our, you know, okay, cool. We're going to allocate a bit more to this because we want to try and maybe book a holiday in a few months time or something like this. So we're talking about these things regularly, but we don't do it as fixed as you guys, but some people need that. Some people need that, like sit down, let's talk about this. And if you do it, if you make it a nice pizza cup, you know, maybe a bottle of wine or something, it can be a nice, nice experience rather than a, you know, that one guy sitting on the end or the lady sitting on the end sweating because she's making money on Uber. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you talk to us a little bit about the humble penny and and sort of what what is it at its core? Yeah. So, the humble penny is a personal finance and you know financial wellness brand. Basically, that we started as a blog. That was it. There was no like big strategy and vision and all this stuff. It was just literally like. Well, let's buy the domain name and we bought it for 99p and let's create a blog and start writing about stuff. And then who knows where it might take us. 
But we've been growing since then as we were responding to people who were starting to find what we were doing interesting and useful. Um, and over time, it's grown into different platforms. So you can find us at The Humble Penny on YouTube or at The Humble Penny on Instagram. And we also run a sister brand called Financial Joy Academy, which came because um, many people kept messaging us saying, oh, can you guys offer me some, you know, like advice and coaching and what have you. And we couldn't really speak to so many people at the same time. So we thought a good way of doing that was to create a sister platform that was much more cost-effective. Um, and that's where Financial Joy, Financial Joy Academy was born. But ultimately, the Humble Penny is there to help people take control of their finances, grow their money, and work towards becoming financially independent. But when you encapsulate all of that, Mary and I, refer to the phrase we use is we're helping people must create a life of financial joy and what that means is it's essentially wealth and well-being coming together so rather than just focusing on just i'm trying to become financially free and like you know you know you're working you're working so hard at all costs at the cost of your health your well-being and everything else we actually say no 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 that's almost missing part of the whole point of money because money is meant to be a tool for something else so financial joy brings those core elements of your finances and the things that bring joy to your life together into one place. So, so yeah. So you've got, you've obviously got the, the blog and that's where it started and you've moved into a lot of different courses. I noticed now as well, you have different styles and for different people. And I really like the, um, the one grand plus idea that was super cool. I was watching the video uh, before this. And I thought that was a really interesting take on <laughs> on learning because it's not just about investing; it is about increasing income for some yes. people too. And uh, you know, and there's the well being aspect of it too, which you know you guys have taken on. What What do you feel like is the kind of what 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 if if I suppose what's the best seller? I suppose, and what's what do people gravitate most to? Hmm. What do you think? Hmm. Probably. <laughs> you should notice that. Oh. I think. I think. <laughs> I think it's. I think it depends because everybody's on a different. Is that is that a different stage of the money journey? Yeah. Yeah. And some people, I know for sure, most people are interested in things that help them grow. Mm-hmm. grow what they have so whether it's that they're trying to grow their money or they're trying to grow their investments you know but and this is why it comes back to financial joy academy mm-hmm. yeah because the reason i bring that up is a lot of people might have these goals so like, i want to grow my money i want to make more money i want to you know but there are so many underlying things that are necessary for someone to actually take the step so you might say oh I want to make a grand a month extra, yeah? But you have no accountability. You have no, like, other people who you can learn from. Or So there's so many aspects to the journey, basically, that I think are necessary. So that question is a bit, bit trickier to, to, to answer because I think for everyone, it, it differs. But from what we've seen, I'd say it's probably more people who want to grow their wealth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've had, you know, quite a bit of interest in our academy as well. Um, because like Ken said, there was different elements that appeal to different people, like the courses, the masterclasses, the accountability. Some people just want accountability. Yeah. Um, some people just want 
um, accountability in the morning. So they join 5am club religiously um, or they really value being able to see us and ask us questions fortnightly. So we have the coaching calls, all of this within um, the Financial Joy Academy um, platform, which we run. So yeah, like Ken said, because it varies, we have things for different people on different stages, different journeys, yeah. their, you know, financial um, life. So we've got um, DIY stuff. We have spreadsheets. We have courses where there's no one-to-one interaction. They just watch videos and they carry out tasks. Um, and then we have the more kind of face-to-face group community um, academy, Financial Joy Academy. So it just depends on where people are on their journey. The reason I asked that question was because um, when I got when I went on there and I had a look through some of the things that you offer, what I came off thinking was that there really isn't any. I don't feel like you've left any gaps there because you're right. Like as you were saying, you've got something for everybody in a way that they feel like they can learn. You know, whether that's five a.m. or in your group discussions, or they just want to, you know, watch you on YouTube and learn. You've really covered everything off, and I think it's um, you've done a really great job of it. And it, like I, you know, I was I was almost dropping my twenty nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. That, and this, I've got to say as well, like it's. You know, it's always e- it's always easier to look at where people are at the moment rather than where they've come from. You know, I always think everything takes time. You know, in life, whether it's your money goals, whether it's uh, you're building your emergency fund, or whether you're trying to create a side hustle that makes some money, everything takes time. And so has the humble penny. You know, like everything you see on there, each one has taken like six months or like do you understand to to research it, to validate it, to see is this what people actually are interested in, you know, and to create the, you know, the the, the product and, you know, all, all those things. So I'm saying that just to encourage anyone out there who's trying to begin something, because I think everybody should be starting something on their own, you know, separate to their jobs, you know, um, that gives them an option, something that just gives them you know, that diversifies their income somehow, because as, we, as we've learned from COVID, as we've learned from, you know, the state of the, the global economy and the UK economy, there is no permanence in any jobs anymore, really. You know, there are mass layoffs from tech companies. There's just like, you don't really know what's coming around the corner. So you always need to always have some kind of insurance. And I think beyond your emergency fund, starting something of your own not only does it empower you but it really like gives you an option you know you can do you know how do you know how satisfying it is to create your own income i mean that's such a a, a, um, a really worthy thing to do to learn how to do over time so i'm saying well that's just encourage anyone who's listening like even if you're not if, even if you've never done it before there's a lot out there to kind of help you uh kind of get started so yeah it's been a big thing for me that I've been saying a lot, a lot, a lot on, on, on this podcast, on, on guest, guest appearances is about the second income thing because that moment, I think for everybody where there was that period of about eight to nine days where we were all locked in and, but they hadn't announced furlough mm. and that period of eight to nine days of not understanding or not knowing and having zero backup which you know i i, I luckily had a little bit but mm. my other half had none um and a lot of my friends and family nothing and so that 
opened my eyes and I felt like that moment could happen to anyone at any point as we've seen, but also, you know, businesses changing, mm-hmm. technologies changing and, you know, people are be handing, being handed redundancy packages left, right and center. You just have to mm-hmm. look at the news at the moment and mm-hmm. um, you don't know whether that's you. So why not create something, you know, an hour, two hours on the weekend, if you have a family, yeah. a couple of hours a night, if you're a single guy, you know, you've got yeah. time there, utilize it and yeah. create yourself a financial blanket. I, I think it's so important. I think, do you know what? I, I always give this example that Mary and I had a bet when we started Humble Penny. The bet was, we're going to create the Humble Penny with two hours a day. That was it. Because we understood, understood the power of compounding and how compounding worked, as far as we were concerned, if we could put two hours a day on average into something, that energy, that, that flow that's going into this one idea would build and compound, will build and compound over time. You know, so I hope that encourages someone, even if you can do 30 minutes a day or one hour a day, you know, but the key is the consistency of saying, you know what, even if this thing's not making me any money yet, uh, I'm passionate about it and I'm bringing some skill set to the game. The key is the consistency because today's technology, you know, you go and watch, you're on the internet, everybody's watching 15 second videos, which means, we're being programmed into thinking very short term, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can think, well, actually, I'm going to give myself six months to a year to make this one thing work, mm-hmm. it's much more likely to be successful, you know, because of that. I completely agree with you. Side hustles and get rich, you know, get rich quick schemes, they don't exist. There's th- no. Those words, re- those three words really shouldn't be in the same sentence because yeah. it's not true. Yeah. Um, you know, the only get rich quick scheme is playing the lottery and yeah. you all know what the odds are there. Um, you know, and so, and the house always wins on those situations. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's something you've got to be aware of. And, you know, jumping into a side hustle for six weeks is not the game. You know, no. if you're willing... If you if you're willing to do do this, make sure you're ready to go six to twelve months. Yeah. You know, other games didn't start making money until November of last year, and that was a few, you, you know, bit, few few twenty quid here or there, and then there and then suddenly it shot off. But all of the work I'd done for the previous eleven months before that, yeah, was, meant that it was making the money. Yeah, that allowed me to 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 sell my business and, and go full time yeah. on it. But if I hadn't done all of those hard nights and early mornings, it was just, you know, I would never be sitting here today. So I've just got to be willing to go on those journeys. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I think the more people hear this, Sammy, the the, the better, because there's so much information and misinformation out there that encourages, encourages people to think, Oh, you can make 20 grand in like six days, you know, (laughs) Um, when in actual fact, like, they don't tell a full story, you know, which is, look, like when we started Humble Penny, like we didn't really start getting really uh, the site uh, generating any income until about nine to 10 months after we actually started, you know, yeah. that meant daily, um, weekly publication about three times a week, just constantly putting time in, into this mm-hmm. one idea. You know, so if anyone can last for six to 12 months, they're, they're almost outlasting the competition because, you know, most people fall off because they just can't, like, even keep up for 12 months, you know? No, if no. you can't do that, then, you know, like, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not really worth 
trying. You know, yeah. And like you said, and, and you mentioned, Sam, you spoke about, you know, the power of compounding that you noticed with your uh, business, which enabled you to then sell your, you know, the business that you're working on. And I think for people, sometimes they see our platform, they might see your platform and think, wow, you know, I want to create a personal finance, you know, platform, but gosh, seeing a humble penny, seeing um, your other gains, like, wow, okay, where do I even start? But actually, we started somewhere, it was small, but then we continued with consistency. And, you know, but people don't see that online, they just see like the finished product and not really necessarily the journey. So, but we love talking about the journey. We started off, you know, two hours, like Ken said, a day. And now you're seeing a compounding effect, you know, Mm. but we had to be consistent in order to get there. They say overnight success takes five years. (laughs) 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 It's like, one of those things. I I um I love your approach to it though because you know it, it can it can show that people can go out and create these things with just a small amount of time a day and 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 if we can allow ourselves to do that, we all have thirty minutes. Most of us, if you live in London, afford thirty forty minutes on the tube. If you're writing notes on your phone and putting your ideas down that you can utilize and upload on your laptop later or. Or um, you might be selling something here or there and you're trying to get your products right and you might be doing designs, etc. These are so many different avenues and you can use your time in different ways. Um, I wanted to ask you about your investments because um, we've mentioned it a couple of times already, obviously clearly investing. and What's your approach and, 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 and yeah, how do you go about it? So our investing um, approach is that we like to keep investing as simple as possible. So when we began the journey of investing, when I, when I say investing, I'm going to focus for one on the stock market because there are different areas of investing. Um, we began by, by actually picking individual stocks. That was our approach to investing. Um, and that's mainly because we were just learning and we were experimenting and trying stuff out because, you know, not many people in our family had actually been investing money at all so that became a way to go and we made some money and we also lost quite a fair bit of money by doing that until we learned about just uh diversifying our investments by looking at passive investing so today the vast majority of our investing happens via low-cost globally diversified uh, index funds and ETFs. That's mainly what we do when it comes to the stock market. But beyond that, we invest in other areas, whether it's um, that we invest in, say, uh, other assets, like look at property, for example, as an area, from a business perspective. We run a nursery business uh, with broader family. All the things I'm mentioning are much more broader family focused, uh, more joint venture type things. Uh, and we invest in businesses, you know. So yeah. we also allocate five um, percent to like speculative investments, so your cryptos or um, maybe startups. But we usually say no more than five percent, mm. and we only invest in those, you know, as much as we're willing to to lose. To lose. Basically, yeah, yeah. And it's at most five percent, I should say, because uh, and again, it's more experimental just to see. Again, to learn stuff and all, but also to, um, you know, see what might lead to something else, you know, so. Yeah. It's also learning for us. (laughs) Yeah. Learning. (laughs) Yeah. So. uh, Well, we've got to, we've got to talk about it. So if someone's going to ask us eventually, we better know, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What do you think about that? Yeah, exactly. Because you can't, (laughs) 
we can't. Talk about this stuff. Anyway, that's us. Anyway, we don't talk about stuff. We know we don't know stuff about you know because I know a lot of people do, but we talk from a lived experience. You know, um, it's like for example, premium bonds. You know, we all know what well, not everybody does, but a lot of people know what premium bonds obviously are. But again, we can't talk about stuff like that until we've actually done it. You know, so we've actually got mm-hmm. money in premium bonds, and you know, as a way of um learning how you know that whole thing works but at the same time um speaking from experience you know so yeah, yeah. i am um, i can relate there really i put 20 quid on premium bonds just so i could write the blog that, found yeah. it. that was all it was like that was it it was just like okay right i know what this is now i've read about it but that's you know i agree with you it's really difficult to talk about these things and you know people were someone asked me all about seed investing the other day and i'm just mm. saying, look, I'm, I'm honestly not the right person to speak to about this and you know and they looked at me like come on you surely you know the answer but actually i don't feel mm. comfortable talking yeah. about it um but i i i can really relate to you guys um with your speculative side of stuff i'm the same i have about two and a half two percent um give or take in speculative crypto or or um you know investing in percentage in a friend's business etc mm-hmm. i keep those really low because yeah they they're the ones that could fly to the moon and fantastic if they do but also they could go to zero just okay. as easy so um, I, i'm i'm not willing to risk my life and my partner and my family's life to to be able to do that it's just not fair on 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 me and all the work that we've put in you know so yeah i I, I think i think the point you make that's actually really important it's about risk management because we've come across people who basically that speculative element is their main is their main hustle you know (laughs) you know like 50 percent and above of their money is in those areas yeah and you know, and you could lose everything, and that could be a massive knock on one's confidence, and yeah. a massive. It could even lead to divorce. You know, where uh, you know a couple feel like you know, or they blame, you know, point the fingers at the other person. It was your fault for doing that. You know, and it could cause problems. I mean, money is a big reason why a lot of couples go their separate ways. So you need to be really careful. Careful with speculative investments. Yeah, yeah definitely. Very careful. So you mentioned individual stock picking. Mm. Uh, is that something you're still doing, um, or have you changed that quite a bit? So we still hold this, some of the individual stocks that have done well over time. So, like, I mean, not a recommendation to anybody, just mentioning some of them. So Apple, for example, and Amazon, and uh, stocks like that, we still hold today in our pensions because, like, you know, <laughs> we're not touching those for quite some time. So they yeah. still remain in there <laughs> as, um, <laughs> you know, as uh, as investments. And the same with our children, actually, funny enough, because we co-invest with our kids. Uh, so they still have some of those individual stocks that we bought as, like, birthday presents or whatever, Back when they were born, <laughs> still there. So, um, so yeah. But but beyond that, we're not uh, actively trying to pick out specific uh, um, individual stocks. Except there's a cause. So for example, if it's a dividend-paying stock that we've researched really well and it's part of our investing strategy, which it often is, then it might be something that we look into. That's really interesting. You're the first. You're not the first. That's a lie. You're the you're the first person that's 
seems to have a really similar approach to, to me. I have a portion of wealth in individual stocks, a large portion of it in, in, in um, a larger portion of net wealth in, in, um, in index funds because they're safer or ETFs yeah. or trusts actually as well. Um, and then my individual stock picking is kind of just me having a bit of fun. Like I, that's yeah. what I really enjoy doing. And you know, I love the researching. I love seeing how that company's going to do. And yeah. um, you know, some people enjoy that side of stuff. Some people don't. And yeah. Some people like buying what they love. And I also think that's a great strategy if you're yeah. putting money into that business every day. Then yeah. you know, maybe you should own a piece of it too. Yeah. yeah, no, that's really good. And you know, but for, I would say for beginners, newbie investors, definitely, like you said, a larger chunk on it. In index funds and ETFs is something that they should do unless they've got the time to be doing all the research and exactly and constantly looking at the funds seeing how it's performing over time but if you don't really have the time for that then definitely index funds and ETFs. keep it simple way you can. It simple. Yeah. yeah set it and forget it almost yeah. in a lot of ways right yeah it becomes just like an automatic uh direct debit Put it yeah, into exactly. it and just just crack on with your life if you don't want to learn about the deeper investing and and finances because you don't have to but you can still be an investor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, guys, I've absolutely loved this. It's been super cool having a couple on. Thank you so much. Oh, you. No, this has been fun. This has been this, really been this has been really good. You've asked some really super interesting questions, and I love the style of it as well. This podcast is very. It's very like casual vibes, but at the same time, speaking yeah. about some very important topics. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on, guys. And um, where can people find you? I know the humble penny, of course, but where, what, what's the best place to come say hi? Yeah, so we have a blog, thehumblepenny.com, where we publish blog posts once a week. Um, we also have a YouTube channel, also The Humble Penny. Um, we have fun on Instagram, so also check us out the same handles, The Humble Penny. Oh, you can check out our sister brand called financialjoyacademy.com. Feel free to check it out. It's where we have a platform. Well, our mission there really is to help at least 10,000 people to become financially independent in the next decade. So we're having wow. fun with that challenge, but it's actually, it's actually pretty uh, – we feel very proud of what we're doing there. So feel free to check it out if you can. Uh, your Instagram – basically annoyed me for a good month with like all of your beautiful holiday shots i was like oh my god these guys again they're on the beach i was like wow it was i wouldn't say annoyed i was just very jealous of you because it was freezing here at the time as well (laughs) we have a thing where because because our core message is of financial joy we like to actually live what that joy means to us yeah. you know and for mary and i a big, a big part of it is travel we yeah, do we do cool. love to travel uh but it's all carefully planned even up to two years ahead so for example now in 20 this year we're already thinking about what's going to happen next year potentially the year after so that way we're able to try and collect all our travel points our avias points our companion vouchers you know mm-hmm. all those things that will make it really affordable and also book in advance so you can yeah. get the best deals. So these are the bits that I think make it fun. So it's not just even just a holiday. It's more like, yes, I got it cheaper, you know? <laughs> Hustling for that 100 yeah. quid off and those Avios points. It's got to be done. Yeah. Absolutely. It's part of the joy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Guys, thank you so much. Um, it's been a real pleasure. And yeah, I look forward to carrying on um, following you and seeing your incredible journey so far. 
Uh, awesome. We appreciate you, Sammy. Really, really appreciate the invitation to your yeah, podcast. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you so yeah, much for having thank us. You. Thanks, guys. Take care. <laughs> Quick one, guys. I just wanted to share something with you that I think you'll like. You see, in life, if you're unhappy with what's in front of you, then you've got to change it. That was me three years ago, sitting in a job in London that I knew deep down wasn't for me. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you could build a business of your dreams and it didn't feel like a chore doing it? That's exactly why I decided to create the digital influence method that helps exactly with that. This is a step-by-step blueprint for anyone who finds themselves stuck in a nine to five and wants to know how can I make money online? How can I turn myself and the skills that I already have into a money-making machine? Could I actually make a full-time living making content online about things that I actually like? And could I have the ultimate time freedom working from a laptop and still have enough left over at the end of the month when it comes down to it? This is the playbook that helped me create a mid-six-figure business off the back of creating simple but effective content online. If you want to see if it's for you, then I've left a link to a free workshop in the episode description. And if you want to find out more from there, you can book a call in with my team 